I don't know if you noticed, but there's beautiful flowers in the sanctuary today. Those are in honor of Blake and Hannah Badgett, who got married in here yesterday. So we have a lot to celebrate and give them a uh, big congratulations. If you're worshiping online, would you write something in the comments so that we know you are with us? I don't know if you noticed these cool Thanksgiving bags when you came in the church today, but um, we've been doing these for several years here at Gadsden First Methodist, but you grab a Thanksgiving bag, fill it up with the items on the list on the bag, and bring it back, and these will go to the Salvation Army uh, for, for Thanksgiving. Also, speaking of Thanksgiving, Community Thanksgiving is coming back again this year. Uh, it will once again be at the venue. Uh, our youth and children and parents are invited to join us the day before Thanksgiving at 11 a.m. Uh, and we will be helping set up for the community Thanksgiving. But there's another way you can help too. By the way, if you're here and you say, well, I'm not a kid or a youth, but I want to come and help, you can join us at 11 the day before Thanksgiving too. We would love to have you out there. Uh, but you can also donate for the cakes. The mission team has supplied the cakes for the community Thanksgiving for many years. It's been a big thing that our church does. So after the service, we will have some people at the doors with baskets collecting money for cakes if you would like to do that. Um, and then also, this is a big announcement. Catherine's been working hard on this. Tonight at 5 o'clock in the gym, we are going to have hot dogs, popcorn, and a bunch of snacks. And that's at 5 o'clock. But at 6, we're having the, the amazing chemistry show. And you're not going to want to miss it. Again, this is for all ages. You may see this and say, well, I thought that was just for children, but I want to go. Really, all ages are welcome to come, aren't they? And you'll have a blast. And here is a video clip of what we're having tonight. closed closet and, and the various services that go on during the week, our 
holidays. There are so many things that, that we do here that I think we're all thankful for uh, as far as carrying out the mission of the church and, and the mission of God. And aside from the, the main uh, common thread being carrying out God's mission, there's another common thread to that. It all costs money. And so we want to make sure that we have the adequate amount of funds to keep these programs up. And again, a crucial part of that is this campaign to make sure that we know how many uh, dollars are going to be coming in in the given year. So that helps our budgeting process. Uh, see, Dave back there, thank you for your service on that finance committee as well. Uh, so again, if you don't mind, uh, please take time to fill out those cards. You can turn them in here if you have mistaken the uh, piece of mail, as I know sometimes that can happen. If you have not received it yet, that is okay. We can get you a replacement card in the office. You can call the church office and just let them know. If not, I'm sure there are some spare pieces of paper, and if you want to write your name and a dollar amount on there, we will take that as well. Uh, so we want to make sure, again, everybody gets counted in this campaign. Thank you again for all of your generosity through the years in making sure that the mission of Christ is carried out through Gaston first, and have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate that and all that you do. I want to ask you to join and stand as we sing together our opening hymn. It's hymn number 90, You Watchers and You Holy Ones. It'll be up on the screen. Stand and join us as we sing.
Please remain standing and join us in the affirmation of faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he should come judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. And I want to invite our children to go with Miss Catherine. I don't think you're going to blow something up today, but you never know. So I am excited, y'all, about that chemistry show. I'm, I'm going to be there and, and, and ready to watch things go boom and everything. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I want you to notice a, a couple of things. Uh, one is um, on the on the way in, there are these cards. Miss Barbara Bennett, can you show them where the, those are back there? On the, uh, our, yeah, our spokesmodel is pointing to them back there, Miss Barbara. Right. These are for you to, to get, and we're honoring our veterans today because uh, Veterans Day fell between Sundays, and we had All Saints Sunday, Pastor Andy, and communion and baptism of little Amelia and all of that going on. So we chose to do our honoring of our veterans today. Get one of these cards, and on there is a place for you to write. The card says, with pride in prayer, I salute, and it gives a place for you to write the name of your family member, uh, your loved one who, who served in the armed forces, who's a veteran. And in, in, during the last hymn, I'm going to invite you to come up during the last hymn and lay these on the altar. You'll see some already up here from the early service. And, and during the last, I'll remind you, between now and then, I'll get this, write your name on there. I also want to ask you to, um, to, to stand. If you're in this room and you're a veteran and you served, will you stand just so we can say thank you for your service? Just stand right where you are. Thank you for your service so much. You're a veteran. Thank you so much. If you're watching and, and worshiping with us online, and, and we, we want you to know we thank you for your service too, you can stand and, and you can write a comment on, on our uh, comment page on our face, Facebook live stream and say, uh, tell us that you served. We thank you for your service too. Don't, if you're driving a car or something like that, don't, don't stand unless you stop and pull over or it would be awkward. I do want to call attention to another thing. Uh, we have uh, our flags from all of the branches of service. And our acolytes today, um, 
we had we had a proud veteran and a veteran of whom we are proud, Dave Jensen, who was recently inducted into the Etowah County Patriots Hall of Fame this last week. He and his wife Sissy were our acolytes this morning, and um, they they did a great job. I know it's a lot of pressure, but you did a great job. So thank y'all for being our acolytes today. I want to thank uh, Jay for speaking about our generosity because without your generosity, we can't do any of the things that we're always talking about. And I know that you're proud of your church, so help support your church. We are going to offer prayers now for not only our offerings, but any of the prayer needs that you have. So if you have a prayer request, please send it to us and we will pray for your needs. Let's pray right now. God, we thank you so much for those who have sacrificed so much to give service to their country. Uh, it is a virtue that is, it is very Christ-like and, and we're thankful for all of our veterans. We're thankful for all those who serve in other ways too because God, a servant's heart is something that extends to so many walks of life, to, to teachers, to coaches, to um, other servants. And uh, we're thankful for everyone who, who gives because they want to be uh, a blessing to others and they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. God, we bring with us today needs that we have, uh, concerns that we have. Lord, many of us know people who are uh, in harm's way right now because they are serving their country. We lift those up to you. We lift their families up to you. Many of us know people who are in the hospital or who are in, uh, maybe at home and can't get out because of, of whatever is going on in their lives right now. We lift those up to you. Lord, for all those who are struggling right now, for those who are struggling with uh, not only physical issues, but with mental health issues, we, we lift them up to you right now. For those who are just about ready to give up, God, we pray that you would give them a, a fresh touch of your spirit. And God, also move on our hearts with compassion that we might reach out and be your hands and feet. God, we pray that you would teach us today to pray the prayer that you taught your disciples when you said, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're continuing this Sunday and next Sunday with our Showvember themes. Today we are uh, we're looking at a song that was based on a novel by Victor Hugo and later on a movie which we are, many of us are familiar with. Uh, the French version is Notre Dame de Paris and we know it better as the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Um, 16th century Paris is where this was set. It was not a friendly place for outsiders. Notre Dame Cathedral is in this book and in the play and in the um, movie led by uh, a, an outwardly pious Archdeacon Claude Frollo, 
who basically rules with an iron fist and seeks to get rid of all those in the city who are different. He keeps away, hidden away, his loving and curious charge, whose name is Quasimodo. He punishes and persecutes the Romani gypsy population who reside in the city, and he shames and manipulates the parishioners of the cathedral. Um, he's a bad pastor, isn't he, Pastor Andy? Yeah. When we meet the gypsy uh, Esmeralda in this song we're about to hear, she has just defied Frollo publicly by defending Quasimodo against public humiliation, and the two of them, Esmeralda and Quasimodo, flee to the sanctuary in the famous cathedral, and Esmeralda alone under the watchful eye of the stained glass and the stone saints begins to talk to God maybe for the first time.
Thank you, Esmeralda. Our scripture today comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 13, and then verses 25 through 32. And you're invited, if you want to turn in your Bible, there are pew Bibles there. If you want to follow along on the screen, the, the words will be up there for you. Matthew, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 13. And then verses 27 through 32. Once when he was in one of the cities, there was a man covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. Then Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him and said, I do choose. Be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and then down in verse 27 after this he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth and he said to him follow me and he got up left everything and followed him then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house and there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to the disciples, saying, Why do you eat, drink, and eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God outcasts I am I'm just nerdy enough to get a dictionary and look up the meaning of the word outcast and that's what I did I and here's what Miriam Webster defines an outcast as one that is cast out or refused acceptance by society refused acceptance by society now why in the world would the world treat somebody like an outcast I think sometimes it's based on fear, fear of what we don't know, fear of what we don't understand, and just sometimes just plain old ignorance about people who look different from us, people who are different from us. Have you ever noticed how we avoid people that look different, people who are different, people who sound different, people who are just other? Maybe it has happened to you, I hope it hasn't, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel very good to be outcast. I learned a lot about um, how to be friends with people who have been outcast because of their physical challenges. When I worked for United Cerebral Palsy um, back in the 90s, and it was in Huntsville, Alabama, United Cerebral Palsy was a, a place that provided um, physical therapy and, and occupational therapy and speech therapy and all kinds of help to, to children who had cerebral palsy and support to their families. And my job there at United Cerebral Palsy was fundraising. Uh, so I wasn't one of the people that I really considered the heroes who worked every day with those kids trying to, to help them and the families. But I did want to get to know the kids. So I would go and I would talk with them and at first, I have to tell you, I was very nervous because I did not know how to talk to 
kids who were severely affected by cerebral palsy. And I remember the first day there going up to this, this little kid, this little boy, and he was in a wheelchair and he was, was drawn over to one side because of his cerebral palsy, the way he was affected, his head was drawn over. He had a towel on his shoulder because he couldn't control his drooling and his speech was profoundly affected. He was very bright, but he spoke really, really slowly and with great effort. And I was scared to death as I went up to meet him. I had a smile on my face but inside, I was very nervous because he just looked different. And here's what I did. I bent over and I said to him, Hello, my name is Sam. <laughs> just about that loud. And um, he, with very great effort, said to me, I am not deaf <laughs> and then he started laughing and I did too and I really and we became friends after that but he had a great sense of humor I mean all these kids did they they showed me what courage was like they showed me what determination was like they showed me what resiliency was like and I I'm so glad uh, that I learned those lessons um some of the lessons that I learned were heartbreaking lessons about how these kids were treated because of their physical differences, how their families felt when others made fun of them and when others um, treated them like outcasts because of a physical difference. It's not a new thing that people do that. As a matter of fact, it's a very old phenomenon. It goes all the way back. You can read about it all the way through history. In Jesus' day, um, maybe it was a skin condition somebody had. If anyone had a skin condition that even might be leprosy, they were cast out from the village, cast out from their homes, and they were put in a separate place because they, they couldn't take the chance of someone else catching leprosy from them. And until the priest declared them clean again, they were outcasts. Now, they might not have leprosy. They might have, like me, I have eczema that I will go to the dermatologist for. Sometimes I can't even wear my, my wedding band because I have to put this medicine on there. But, but if I lived back then and someone saw, uh, oh, you know, you've got this rash and stuff on your hands. And say, well, you're out until the priest declares you clean. Maybe you had psoriasis or something like that, and you had, it, or, or maybe you did have leprosy. Anyway, you were outcast. You were physically outcast. You were emotionally outcast because just think about how it would feel not to ever have anybody to touch you. It would be like our, our quarantine that we had for the last couple of years, except worse. Because it, when we were quarantined, at least we knew people wanted to touch us. But this was like, no way. Unclean. Get away from me. You know, there have been lots of, of scientific and, and scholarly studies about the effects of physical touch for young children, for babies, for even grown-ups. We, we need hugs every now and then. You know, we need a physical touch. 
But if you were an outcast because of leprosy, you never got a hug. You always felt that way, like, like people didn't want to be around you. You were emotionally outcast as well as physically outcast. And then people who were in this category of suspicious skin diseases were spiritually outcast too. And you say, well, Pastor Sam, what do you mean by that? I mean, they were treated as if God had cast them out, you see, because the theology in that day was, if something bad like that happened to you, God must really be mad. You must have done something really to make God angry for God to do something that awful to you. Do you remember in the Old Testament what Job's friends, Job's so-called friends said to him? They said, Job, man, you really must have made God angry to have all this bad stuff happen to you. You better repent, man. People thought that people who were outcast deserved to be outcast and that God had cast them out too. So thinking people didn't want to be around you, believing that not even God wanted to be around you, outcast because of a physical difference. So sometimes it wasn't a physical disease that caused somebody to be outcast. Sometimes it was just a position that they held in society and an occupation, something like that. For instance, if you were a tax collector, if you were a tax collector, outcast. Now, in so many ways, it was even worse because People might actually have sympathy on somebody with leprosy. They might feel sorry for them. They might, they might leave some food out for them or, or try to at least sympathize with them. Nobody sympathized with the tax collector. Nobody did. That's probably a tax collector calling right now. <laughs> April 15th's coming up. Look, we still hate them, right? No, but the reason people hated tax collectors in that day was because they saw them as collaborators and they saw them as, as traitors, traitors to their own people, collaborators with the Roman government. And they looked at them as if they were thieves because a lot of times they were. Because they could collect anything they wanted to and many of them got rich off of the backs of the poor people in that day. They were outcasts. Now, they might have lived in a nice house. They, might, they, they didn't live in a leper colony for sure. They might, have, they might have had a nice chariot or whatever. But they were still outcast. you see. They were still the butt of everybody's joke and whispers and sideways glances. They were still spiritually outcasts because they couldn't go to worship with everybody else. You know why? Because everybody considered them the worst sinners of all. Maybe they thought to themselves, you know, I might be bad, but at least I'm not a tax collector, you know? So lepers got to hang out with other lepers and that was it. Tax collectors got to hang out with other tax collectors, and that was it. It was kind of a pitiful fellowship of outcasts. And that's why it reminds me so much of, of Victor Hugo's classic novel um, I've mentioned before. We know it as The Hunchback of Notre Dame. 
And most of us, if we, if we're, I, I mean, maybe you read the book, maybe you, maybe you had to read the book, so you, you just did what you had to do to get through that class. Or maybe you're like me, and you always think about the Disney version of it. I'm a Disney movie kind of person, so I think about that. Book's always better than the movie, by the way, uh, just saying that. But the story centers around outcasts, right? And the two, two main characters that are outcasts are Quasimodo and Esmeralda. Quasimodo is an outcast because of a physical condition that he has. He doesn't have leprosy, but he has a condition, a deformity of his spine uh, that he's had from birth. His parents abandoned him. He was taken in by uh, the priest at, at Notre Dame Cathedral. He, he was raised there. He was kept alive there. He wasn't nurtured there, but he was raised there. And he became the bell ringer. He was, he was, his sight was physically affected by his sight. He was practically deaf because of the bell ringing. Can you imagine? Boom, boom, those bells in Notre Dame Cathedral ringing them all the time. But he, he did that. Now, Quasimodo was curious. He was bright, but he didn't go out in public. He didn't go out in public because people were literally afraid of him. People shunned him. People made fun of him. They were cruel to him. And that was his life. The closest thing that he had to his father, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the, in the play notes, was not a good person. The only one who cared for him, the only one who showed kindness to him and mercy and love to him was the other main character, Esmeralda. Now, Esmeralda was an outcast, not because of a physical thing. Esmeralda was a beautiful woman, but she was outcast because she was a Romani gypsy. And gypsies were outcast because they were different. They were different in how they dressed. They were different in how they made a living. They made a living by dancing. And Esmeralda was a street dancer. They made a living by, living by performing sometimes, sometimes by begging, sometimes by stealing. Anybody remember the old song by Cher? Gyps Gypsies, tramps, and thieves hear from the people of the... Anyway, had a flashback there. I'm sorry. Had a Cher moment. But that's, what, that's why they were outcasts. The only people that wanted to be around gypsies were other gypsies. So let's go back to the outcasts that we read about in Luke chapter 5. There was the man that had leprosy. He came up to Jesus and he did what he wasn't supposed to do. He was supposed to stand way off and he was supposed to cover his mouth and yell, unclean, unclean. That was the protocol. Instead, this man came up and bowed with his face to the ground and said, Lord, if you choose to, you can make me clean. Just, just a little step of faith. It took courage, though. Just a little step of faith. Now, I've already said how society treated somebody with leprosy. They treated them awful. Nobody wanted to be around them. This man had probably not had anybody to touch him in years. 
He was dying. He knew it. He was dying from the inside out. He was rejected. He was despised. He was cast out. He believed that God hated him. But how did Jesus treat him? How did Jesus treat him? This man said, Lord, if you choose, uh, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I do choose to make you clean. And he healed him. But he didn't just heal him in any old way. You know, Jesus could have and did sometimes heal by just speaking the word. He could just be clean. And instead, Jesus reached out and he touched him. Do you see the power in that? He touched him. And the man was healed and made clean. His leprosy was gone. So think about it from the other side. Think about Jesus who, who touched the leprosy. Jesus who now in theory had made himself unclean as well. Jesus who also made himself liable to catch this terrible disease that nobody wanted to catch, the disease of leprosy. But instead of all that happening, it worked the other way around. Instead of Jesus catching that man's uncleanness and disease, that man caught Jesus's love, caught Jesus's healing, caught Jesus's wholeness, you see? And then the other outcast that I talked about, who was an outcast not because of a physical thing, but he was outcast because of his occupation. He was a tax collector. His name was Levi, a.k.a. Matthew. I'm just going to call him Matthew because we know him mostly by Matthew. So there's Matthew. He's sitting at his tax collector booth, right? And he's, as people come by, he's collecting money. As people come by, he's collecting hate, right? They're like... Every time they go by. Because that's how society treated tax collectors. But how did Jesus treat Matthew? Jesus just walked right up to him and looked him right in the face and said, follow me. Follow me. And, and by doing that, it was just like he was breaking down a wall. Matthew with the other tax collectors had lived behind this wall that society had built around. Just like he had broken through the walls with a man with leprosy who lived in a sealed off world too. With two words, he broke through the wall to Matthew and said, follow me. Matthew got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. And when I say he followed him, I don't mean he just physically got up and started walking behind him. I mean he started doing the things that Jesus would have done. Now, what would Jesus have done? Jesus would have thrown a big party and invited all of Matthew's tax collector friends, and that's what Matthew did. He threw a big party with Jesus as the guest of honor, and the attendees were all tax collectors and sinners of various kinds. They had a big party. And the scribes and the Pharisees heard about this, and don't you know how gossip goes around? Do y'all know how gossip goes around? Well, you're not going to raise your hand, but smile at me and nod if you know how gossip goes around. Did you hear what Jesus did? Did you hear? He went to Matthew's house. They had a party and all of those tax collectors and sinners and all of those ne'er-do-wells and all of they, they all came to that party and Jesus was there. Doesn't he know he's not supposed to do things like that? Somebody ought to go and tell his disciples that's not the way for a proper rabbi to behave. Somebody ought to tell them. 
And they did. They went. And they said, why is he doing this? Here's what Jesus said. He said, those who are well don't need a physician. Those who are sick are the ones that need a physician. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but have you ever wondered why so few scribes and Pharisees ever received the healing and the forgiveness that Jesus had to give? Very few of them did. You know why? Not because Jesus hated them. Because they didn't think they needed it. If we had been at that party at Matthew's house, and if we had stood up and said, hey, if you're a sinner and you need salvation, raise your hand. Everybody there would say, "Woo, me. They probably would have held their goblet of wine up, Pastor Andy, and said, count me in. I would be saying, here, me too. Scribes and Pharisees would be like, not me. Not me. So who did Jesus reach out to? Who did Jesus hang out with? He reached out to and he associated with those who were on the fringes, the outcasts. This Jesus who Colossians 2.9 says contained the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. This Jesus who John 1 chapter 1 says was the word of God made flesh. Everything that we can know about God that our human brains can understand about God wrapped up in a person associated with fishermen and tax collectors and sick people and demon possessed people and Samaritans and all of that. Why would Jesus do that? I think Esmeralda, I think Esmeralda hit right on it in her song, which is a prayer. Listen to these lines from Esmeralda's prayer. Yes, I know I'm just an outcast. I shouldn't speak to you. Still, I see your face and wonder, were you once an outcast too? Remember, she's in the cathedral. She's looking up at these stained glass and the stone saints, and she sees Jesus, and she says, I wonder if you were once an outcast. Yes, Esmeralda, you nailed it. Because you remember what the prophet Isaiah said about the Messiah in Isaiah 53. He said, here's what Isaiah said about the Messiah. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering, acquainted with infirmity, as one from whom others hide their faces. He was despised and we held him of no account. Is it any wonder that Jesus loved those who were despised and rejected? Is it any wonder why Jesus was and is close to the brokenhearted? Is it any wonder? I want to close by challenging you with Jesus' actions and with Esmeralda's prayer. Listen to the chorus of the song, the prayer that Esmeralda prayed. God, help the outcasts, hungry from birth. Show them the mercy they don't find on earth. God, help my people. We look to you still. God, help the outcasts. 
or nobody will. Or nobody will. I don't know, do you know somebody who was forgotten and neglected and feels like they were thrown out with yesterday's trash? Do you know somebody that, that needs a, a, a physical touch and you say, well, I don't, I don't touch people because of COVID. Well, maybe they could use a phone call or a text or somebody that is hungry to know that somebody cares, somebody is hungry for mercy or forgiveness or just, just somebody that needs to know that God still loves them. Jesus specialized in doing that, y'all. And if we're his followers, shouldn't we also? Shouldn't we also? If we don't reach out to the outcasts, who will? Let's pray. God, we, we thank you so much for the way that you reached out to us. Because all of us knows what it feels like to be alone from time to time. Even if we're the life of the party, there are times that we think that nobody's there for us. Nobody understands. And Lord, maybe we have been guilty of, of treating others as outcasts. So forgive us if we've been those who have given sideways glances or, or whispers or gossips or if we've treated others like they're less, they're on the outside, forgive us, Lord. Help us to follow you by reaching out, by being your hands and feet to those who get left behind by the world. Lord, give us the strength to do that even when we're afraid to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is uh, a hymn that I dearly love. It is uh, Eternal Father, Strong to Save. And I love it for a number of reasons. I love it because it's of the beautiful words and the beautiful melody. I also love it because it's the Navy hymn. My dad was in the Navy, and so... There you go. Um, it is not in the 1989 hymnal. It is in the old Methodist hymnal, which uh, in many ways, Benny might agree with me, in many ways was superior to the 1989, <laughs> the 1989 hymnal. But it, the words are going to be up on the screen for us. And as we sing this beautiful hymn together, um, if, if you don't know it well, just listen to it and look at the words but as we do this, this is the time for you to come down and for you to place your card of remembrance on the altar. You can kneel and pray there for a moment if you'd like to. But uh, let's, let's do this as we stand and sing, Eternal Father, Strong to Save.
Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.